All right, if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 23, Matthew 23. And uh, it's a joy to be here as always. And uh, some uh, getting ready to preach tonight. I just want to mention. Uh, one uh, couple years back, I was uh, at the VA doctor, and uh, this uh, Vietnamese, this little Vietnamese lady, was uh, the doctor checking my vitals. And um, you know, while she was going through the motions, she said to me, she noticed I was gaining some weight. She said, she said to me, uh, "You need, you need to stop gaining weight." And I looked at her and I, I said. Uh, you know, I need to start, start exercising again. She said, no, you need to stop eating. <laughs> you know, and I sat there and I said, you know, checkmate. Uh, <laughs> it's, sometimes the truth hurts, but I think more than ever, that's what we need. We need people to tell us the truth. I never, I never uh, felt offended that the doctor wanted to put in a needle in my arm. I mean, matter of fact, he's done it a couple hundred times. Uh, I always felt like it was for my benefit. I didn't feel like I had trauma because the metal went into my arm or something like that. And I don't think, you know, when we hear preaching, the Bible says, um, show my people their transgression. It doesn't say show my people their strengths. Show my people their goodness. It says show my people their transgression. So we got to preach the word of God. We got to listen to it. We got to take it, and that's for our own good. So, in in that spirit, I want to preach this tonight. If you see in Matthew chapter twenty three, and I'll I'll start reading. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their uh, phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all, all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father. Which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And uh, my text tonight is out of um, verse 3. All there for whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. That is a Pharisee. A Pharisee, the Bible tells you, they're telling you right. Do what they say, but don't do what they do. Because they're not doing what's right. So it doesn't matter what you say or how well you say it or how well you put together a string of words. It's a matter of what you do, your actions. So tonight I'm going to preach a sermon called, You Might Be a Pharisee If... 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, this great church and the blessing that they are. I love being here, Lord. It's the greatest place on earth for me and my family, Lord, and I hope to be a blessing tonight. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Uh, preachings work, Lord, and listenings work. And, Lord, help us to have a spirit of revival in here to work in our hearts and to get some, take care of something tonight, not leave the same. I pray that you'll speak to hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Jesus was the perfect example for us because he lived everything he preached, and he preached everything that he lived. He didn't do anything that um, against what he had said. Um, there is, he, he came into this earth. He didn't look for honor. He didn't look for reputation. He made himself a nobody, and he finished his works. But for us, it's not the same. Um, we, we, we handle things a little different. Man, if you hear some of the lawyers of today, they'll tell you there is moral justice and then there is legal justice. Moral justice doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get legal justice. And that's why they go to the courtroom and they do business to try to get that legal justice that they want, regardless of the fact that there's the, the, the moral justice might be stepped on. With God, moral justice is the exact same thing as legal justice. There is no separation. It's only man that does this, uh, uh, plays these uh, games. It's called hypocrisy. No one likes that word. No one wants to be called a hypocrite. You can look on the social media right now and you will find people will write on their, on their title. They'll write writer, author, highly educated, free thinker, good person. But you'll never see their title Pharisee. We won't call ourselves a Pharisee, but there are Pharisees. The Bible says it right here. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And that's what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. So tonight, I want us to look at the Word of God, and let's look and see if we are a Pharisee. It is not common for man to label themselves a Pharisee. You will not find a social media account tonight of somebody who's self-proclaiming themselves a Pharisee. I heard of one person on the news that was, they called himself a Pharisee just a couple days ago, and he jumped off the Arizona State Bridge. He said, I'm not a good man. I've taken advantage of people. I've done people wrong. I've used people to make money for myself. And then he jumped off the bridge. He realized his own righteousness was as filthy rags. I hope that man was saved. I don't, think, I don't know if he was saved. I don't think he would have. If he had been saved, he wouldn't have jumped off that bridge. But he was reading right. He was noticing the things that were going on in his heart. And I think we need to do the same thing. So tonight you might be a Pharisee if... Everyone needs to see you. Look at verse 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. Have you noticed in America that that's just what you see? Um, it, the, the way I put it, if you can, uh, if I could put uh, America and today as a knock-knock joke, I'd say it like this. Knock-knock. Uh, Who's there? Me. Me who? 
me, myself, and I. It's okay. Everybody have a good time. I'm here. Hold on a second. On, a, on three, selfie. <laughs> One, two, three. I mean, I'm going to the park today. <laughs> I'm going to the grocery store. I'm crossing the street. I've got some dust in the corner of my house. This is a nice thermostat, isn't it? What's in here? Everything is about us. That's a Pharisee. He has to be seen of men. Everybody has to know, I'm here. That's what a Pharisee is. They don't do anything without everybody knowing what they've done. I mean, maybe it's, uh, I'm about to do, to do a good deed. I don't know. Maybe you're dropping a, a tithe or you're, you're signing up for the nursery work because you have to stop and say, hey, everybody, stop what you're doing. Stop doing the dishes. Over there, pay attention. I'm signing up for the nursery. Y'all see this? Hey, stop talking. I'm doing something good. See it? We always have to proclaim our own righteousness. We got to let everybody know what we're doing. And that's, we're all, we're all guilty of it. We love it. You can't do something for God in secrecy. But I know the Bible tells us to do that. It tells us to do things in private and God will honor you publicly. Doesn't he say that? We should be willing to go mow the yard and not let everybody know what we're doing. You see, that, that's, that's, that's what a Pharisee does. They've got to let everybody know what they're doing. You might be a Pharisee tonight if everyone needs to see you. You might be a Pharisee if you frown when God helps folks. You know, I remember when Jesus was going to heal the man with the withered hand. And the Pharisees looked on him and said, is he going to do it on the Sabbath? Is he going to do it on the Sabbath? And Jesus goes over and he says, my son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And they said, what blasphemy is this? This man forgives sins? Who, how does he have the power to forgive sins? And he goes, Jesus responds to him, whether it's easier to forgive this man of his sins or to heal him of his hand. But he, then he healed him of his hand, the withered hand. And I mean, it was, it was checkmate for that situation right there. They should have realized that this was the son of God, that he had all power to forgive this man of his sins and to do something. But you see, Pharisees don't like the miracle working power of God. They don't like it. They have a problem with it. I've sat at the table with some of these Pharisees across this country. They don't like soul winning. Ooh, they got a problem with soul winning. The one, two, three, repeat after me. The, the, and they start attacking it with everything they got. The repentance crowd. Oh, the, the, all these different crowds, they're against people getting saved. They stand in front and make sure people cannot get into heaven. Is it hard to get to heaven? I would think not. Jesus Christ paid the price for all of us. There's enough blood atonement for every one of our sins. But the Pharisee says, there should only be enough mercy for me, not enough mercy for the rest of the world. That's why we'll listen to gossip. That's why we like the news and we like to hear about somebody else's downfall. We like to be the bearer of bad news, but we don't like to receive bad news. Not a single one of us in here likes to receive bad news. 
So we'd be all okay with giving a little bad news to somebody else. And that's something we have to work on. We have to uh, uh, look internally and get rid of these things. Frown when God is helping folks. There's so many enemies to soul winning tonight. There's so many enemies to revival. I hear it all the time. Oh, if God would give us revival. I don't see anything being done to get that product. I don't see it. You can say it all you want, but it's not like a, it's not like a comet or an asteroid that's going to come out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden there's going to be revival. I don't believe it. If you want to see revival, then won't you show up for soul winning? Why? Look at the size of this church. Why? See the numbers in soul winning. And this is across, this is true of every church. And I know folks work. I'm not knocking anybody on this. But I'm just saying, why is there a handful that go soul winning? And then the rest, where are they? I think everybody should go. In the upper room, when the 120 were there, they were praying. They were with one mind, one accord. What was it about? Not slandering somebody. It wasn't a mob. It wasn't to attack somebody or to highlight somebody's sins or to destroy somebody. To, to rip somebody apart. No, it wasn't. It was to get people into the kingdom of heaven. To get people saved. That's, that's, that's true of every generation. You might be a Pharisee if you expect more from others than you do yourself. You ever see that? And people who expect more from others, they don't expect from themselves. Look at, look at the verse 4. They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. I mean, the greatest illustration of that is look at capitalism versus socialism. I mean, what are they, in capitalism, you determine how much money you're going to make. You work hard, you're going to get eat fruit, fruits of your labor. But you go into socialism and you start looking at countries like Nicaragua. You look at Venezuela. You look at these countries. That's socialism in full effect. That's a bunch of lazy people that want to have it all. And, they, and the basis of socialism is coveting. It's, the Bible says specifically, thou shalt not covet. Not, not, his, not, not his wife, not his ox, not any, anything that is your neighbor's. You're not supposed to covet any of it. And we see it all across America as everybody's, oh, well, they have this. Oh, they have that. You don't need to, if, if we're going to be right with God, we don't need to be worrying about what anything anybody else has. We need to be thanking God that ble God has blessed so-and-so. Not start slandering them. <laughs> Who do they think they are? Oh, can you believe this? And there you go on the Sunday lunch is the gossip starts. Sunday lunch. Over at the restaurant, they start talking about so-and-so. And that's what, the, that, that's what the disciples did. They said, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, that's not for you to worry about. He's, keep, your, keep your mind focused where it's supposed to be. Till we come to the judgment seat of Christ, I'm not here to make anybody stumble. I'm not here to destroy anybody. I'm here to be a blessing and a help to anybody that I possibly can. And do as well as I can. I mean... If you get, in this, you get caught up in this game of worldly accumulation, you're going be, to be coming all day. Because <laughs> if you just want to gather, 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 the Bible says what happens to you. You put up your barns, but he says, thou fool, tonight thy soul is required of thee. We don't have a clue when death is coming, but it's coming. And it doesn't wait for anybody. So we have to um, keep our eyes focused on what we're supposed to. Don't expect more from others than you do of yourself. Expect more from yourself. 
of your family members, uh, than your friends, than your neighbors. Expect more from yourself. Um, you might be a Pharisee if you try to lead others, but you don't lead yourself. Haven't you seen that one? You know, folks trying to lead people, but they won't lead themselves. You can see it. See, Pharisees are exposed. Only the Pharisees could not see for themselves what they really are. In the Bible, it shows us, and we look at it, and we gasp, and we say to ourselves, how can they be trying to play Jesus with this gotcha game? They always fail. They always lose. But that's, in essence, what they do. They try to lead others, and they won't lead themselves. There was this guy that he, he was... Uh, uh, he was accused of uh, stolen valor. The guy had never served a day in the military, and he just started, he was up in his 60s, and he said, oh, I was a Navy SEAL back in the day. And he started a company based on it. And he went around telling everybody that he had gone all around the world as a, as a, as a Navy SEAL, and he built this company, and he started getting million-dollar contracts, and he took one team to provide security for some people in Congo. He went down to Congo. And he took some women and men with him. Mind you, this guy had never, he didn't know anything. He went over there, and things started turning ugly. And the people who gave him the million-dollar contract started to realize that this guy had never done anything that he had said. And he came out in the news, and he was over. The news agencies exposed him, and he was over at his mom's house, and now he was just dodging and ducking for cover because the whole world knew what he was. He was a fraud. He was a hypocrite. And, when, and then they started interviewing some of the people that went to Congo. They realized they, didn't, they couldn't believe how much danger they were in for following this man and his million-dollar contract, not having a clue that he had never done anything that he had said. It's a hypocrite. I mean, it's terrible. He, it's the blind leading the blind. And I think we get so caught up in telling other people what to do that we don't know. We don't. We're not willing to lead ourselves. I think God tonight wants us to lead ourselves first, and then we can lead others. If we follow Christ properly, then people will follow. But everybody's looking for that giant following. Everybody wants the following. You see that in social, social media? They'll pay thousands of dollars to get a bunch of followers. I mean, if you just do what's right, maybe some people will find you worth following. But if you don't do what's right, there's no amount of money that is going to give you that following. So you, you might be a Pharisee if you try to lead others, but you don't lead yourself. Uh, you might be a Pharisee if you don't realize your own condition. Look at uh, Revelation 3.17. The Bible says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserably and poor and blind and naked. The Bible is given the report card to a church in Revelations 3. This church didn't recognize their real condition. Maybe they had all kinds of goods. Maybe they had all kinds of wealth. Maybe they had all kinds of technology. But the report card didn't come out so well for them in Revelation 3. And I think the makings of a, a great church and a church that's going to do something for God is always going to look inward and it's going to deal with things and have that proper balance. They're going to look at themselves first. The Pharisees, uh, they found the man that was healed of his blindness. And they asked him, right? they said, you know, were you really blind? They went and asked their parents. They said, was your son really blind? 
And they, they, they openly confessed. He said, I was blind. I don't know. But this man, I don't know, you know, uh, who this man is. But all I know is that I was blind and now I can see. And they were giving um, the praise to God, to Jesus, and yet they wouldn't take it. And he told them, and he was like, you, you, you don't want to believe because you don't want to. And he said, thou that was born in sin teaches us. I mean, that's what a Pharisee is. He's unteachable. He knows it all. You might be a Pharisee if you believe there is, mer you believe there is mercy for you, but there is not mercy for others. That's the trait of a Pharisee. Jonah did it. Jonah wanted mercy when he was in the whale. And he repented and he got right. And God gave him that mercy. But then when he went to preach to Nineveh and 120,000 people from the king on down got saved and there was a revival, he got upset. And he started to pout. And I start to wonder in my mind, how could somebody possibly think that? And I, I, the only thing that I can conclude is that they believe there's more mercy for themselves than there is for anybody else. And we have to watch out for that. There's more mercy out there for others than there is just for us. We've got to remember that. David. Remember that? David was committed adultery. And they, the, the, the prophet came to him and he said there was a rich man and a poor man. And the rich man had a bunch and the poor man had a little lamb. He raised that lamb up. He nurtured that lamb. He took care of that lamb. And then a traveler came. And, and, and uh, the rich man... Instead of taking from his own stock, he came over and he took the little lamb from, from uh, the poor man. And David, with all the audacity of a full-blown hypocrite, says, that man shall surely die. He just didn't know that he knew he was guilty. He didn't know that he was the man until the prophet said, thou art the man. And I love how we can get so much indignation towards the wrong committed by somebody else, but we don't have that towards ourselves. This altar ought to be used. We ought to wear out the carpet out of this place, reminding ourselves how much we've got to go, how much we've got to do. But we sit here and we focus and we say and we start to think, well, so-and-so is looking at me. I don't know if I want to go because sister so-and-so might, you know, I don't know. We shouldn't be worried about that. We should tell ourselves, okay, look, I'm the greatest of sinners. I'm the chiefest of sinners. Everybody here is better than me. I need to come up here to this altar and I need to do, Lord, be merciful me, a sinner. I've got things in my life that i got to take care of. How many of us have something we can't take care of tonight? Is there anybody in here who's perfect? Who doesn't have something we can work on? Then why don't we flood the altars and do something about it? I'm not saying you have to go to the altar, but I think it's wise. I think it's a great thing. I've never been hurt by coming to this altar. Never. Best day of my life when I started going to church and I started coming to that altar. It's only helped me. I don't care who's thought what about me. I still don't care. All I care is that I can come up here and that he'll listen and he'll do something. And it'll help me to fix the things that I need to fix. And I'm trying to have an indignation about myself. And we all ought to have an indignation about our own sin. Not about somebody else's sin. Not this person. Not that person. That's what the world does. The world is always fixated. They love to crucify. They're putting all these criminal proceedings on the, inter on the TV now. 
Oh, and they want to just, it's basically the old casting the stone. Oh, look at this person, what that evil that they did, making themselves feel better. What did Jesus say? He that's without sin cast the first stone. We don't need to be watching these criminal proceedings on TV. That's baloney. That's stuff to try to make you feel better. And we ought not to feel better about ourselves. You, you know when you feel better about yourself? When you get right with God. When you do business with God. When you just let God know that you are aware of your sin. And you're not just overlooking it. And we are notorious people. It's in this carnality, in this flesh of ours. We overlook our own sin. And we look at somebody else's sin. We shouldn't do that. Oh, Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? You might be a Pharisee if you teach people to work, but you don't work yourself. Ooh, we see that all the time. Man, they're going to come teach you, teach you how to work, but they won't work themselves. All of us. We need to work first and, let, and, and, and share in that workload. You notice? There's some folks that they just know how to corner the market on the workload. I mean, let's, let's do the least that we possibly can and lay the burdens on somebody else. Yeah, we're going to have revival. We're going to see people saved, but let so-and-so go soul winning. Let them do all the visiting. Let them do all the work. Let them vacuum. Let them drive the buses. Oh, you know, I got to get in my afternoon nap. It's too hot. There's no AC, you know. Let me, uh, let me just let somebody else do the work. And we're always passing off the burden to somebody else. We all, imagine we all had the spirit that I want to help somebody else out. Somebody else having a hard time, I just want to help them. You know, I don't know what they're going through, but I've got the ability and it's within my means. Let me share the workload instead of kicking your teammate and just letting them, leaving them stranded to do everything themselves. Uh, it'd be just an amazing thing as a church that we get that spirit inside of us and work like no one else is working. Work like it just every revival depends upon you, not on anybody else. You might be a Pharisee if you know it all, but others know nothing. Oh, how many folks do you run into that know it all? That's what a Pharisee is. The Pharisee knows it all. He didn't even listen to God himself. God himself came and taught him the word of God. And they were like, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're not the son of God. You're a liar. Beelzebub, you, you devil. Well, I guarantee you they're eating their words right now in hell. I bet you they're burning now. And I don't, I don't rejoice in that. But that's the truth of a Pharisee. They don't realize their error until it's done. And we ought to be quick to pick up on our error. We don't know everything. You know, it's, you might be a Pharisee if you clean outside the cup, but not inside. This will be my last point there. Look at, look at verse 25 and 26, Matthew 23, verse 25 and 26. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup. And of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. I learned at a young age 
When I was assigned to wash the dishes, I would go in there and I'd wash the dishes. And, you know, I didn't know how to do it, so I'd take the sponge, you know, and I'd start cleaning outside because it's just natural for us. We're always going to clean the outside. That's what clothes does marvelously. makes us look better than we really are. And I started cleaning outside that cup. And, you know, my parents came in there and said, no, you need to clean inside that rim where you put your mouth on. You need to clean inside better and put some elbow grease in there. And it took work. Turn that water nice and hot. And we'd wash those dishes. And ever since then, I go straight for the inside the cup, not outside the cup. And we, as people, in our carnality, in this flesh, that's what we love to do. We like to clean the inside, the cu- uh, outside the cup. We don't like to clean the inside. But that's what we need more than ever. That's what this country needs. It needs a bath. We need some cleaning inside this heart. We need to say, okay, whatever is wrong in here needs to be taken care of. There should not be something within our heart tonight That everybody here should not know. The Bible says be sure your sin will find you out. Whatever is on the inside is going to come out. The outside is just a reflection of what's on the inside. And it's always true that the outside, the inside is going to come out. And you will see on the outside. If you always just take care of the outside before you know it, everybody's going to know the reality of it, the dirtiness of it. And that's something... That we as Christians and as church, we need to take seriously. We have great potential. We're about to move to this property. The Bible says, uh, uh, in, in, uh, real quick here, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Let's take this opportunity as we're going to this church. Let's work on our heart a little harder than anything that we do going forward. Let's rally behind pastor and get out there and work and win souls and do something for God and put away some of the things, some of the distractions, some of the time consumers that we're a part of, some of the worldly accumulation, the, 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 the just trying to make money and, and all that. And I'm, I'm forward. I'm not against all that stuff. But put away some of that stuff and let's, let's rally behind the cause. The Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature the Bible says that he that winneth souls is wise. We have one responsibility, and that's to be in the, the soul-saving business, to see people saved. And we have a million people in Jacksonville. We have all the opportunity in the world to do something great, but we have to challenge ourselves, and we have to dig deep and look inside of our heart and say, this is not adequate. There's sin that I've, been not, been, I've not dealt with and I need to deal with. And, and we can't just sit. I was in all evil among, amongst the congregation, the Bible says. How can we sit in church and we have something in our heart that we're not dealing with, like Achan, the downfall's coming. There was a little monument made for Achan because of the stuff he hid under the tent. Take it all out. Get everything outside of your heart. Make sure that there's nothing between you and God. And let's go forward as a church and do something for the history books. Why not?